Hi everyone, Dan Cassidy here. Welcome back to Top of the Morning on the UBS Market Moves podcast channel for today. We will focus on what is next for sustainable investing in 2024, namely some investment ideas to consider as well as discuss some sustainability-related themes on the radar of the UBS Chief Investment Office. So joining me for the conversation today, glad to welcome in studio Michelle Liberty, thematic investing strategist for the Americas with the UBS Chief Investment Office. Michelle, it's great to be with you today here in person. Welcome back. Thanks for having me, Dan. Absolutely. So up front, I do want to point out to our listeners, especially our clients of UBS, that our conversation will tie into the latest Sustainable Investing Perspectives publication, which is now available up on UBS.com slash CIO. Though for clients of UBS, just reach out to your UBS financial advisor if you would like to receive a copy directly. Though Michelle, as mentioned today, we'll be discussing some investment themes, considerations outlined within the piece. Before we get to that, Michelle, can you speak to how CIO is thinking about 2024, the year ahead, and how is that driving our views here at UBS? Yeah, sure, Dan. I would say, you know, looking at the year ahead, there are a couple of key issues that are sure to be a focus for investors. Uh, one, I would say elections and geopolitical risk. Uh, two, the path of any potential interest rate cuts. And then third, you know, if there is this potential for the soft landing. Um, and the last two are very much related. On the first note, over uh, or about half of the voting population is facing elections this year. And that means that's in countries that represent over half of GDP as well. So that's not to say we think you should make, uh, you know, a bet on elections with your portfolio. Uh, in the U.S., for instance, we haven't really seen a lasting broad market impact uh, from elections in the past, but it could have some uh, headline risk for certain industries, right? So like I said, over half of GDP is something that we're going to be talking about. And the last two things, again, they're related, um, but we're going to be watching for you know, any potential interest rate cuts and the speed of those potential cuts. Uh, if we do get a soft landing, you know, that could be good for some pockets of the market that you know, we're looking for a little bit more certain, certainty to see that business investment come through. Um, and of course, lower rates would also be good for some of these very capital intensive large projects uh, that are really struggling in this environment. So none of that's a guarantee, unfortunately. Uh, we'll have to wait and see. But those are what we're going to be looking at uh, throughout the year. So a big year ahead in 2024. So with that in mind, Michelle, how is this all driving your preferences? Maybe put another way, what themes do you think will be in focus for this year? Yeah, I, I would say there's a couple things that come to mind. Uh, one is natural capital uh, and the industrial transition. Um, and when I say natural capital, I mean things like water, agriculture, right? And also how those relate to our view on infrastructure, because there is some overlap there. And I think that this conversation around natural capital is something that we're going to hear a little bit more about as the sustainability conversation broadens, uh, because it's not just about the energy transition, right? Uh, and actually about 60% of GDP is either highly dependent or moderately dependent on nature. Uh, so natural capital is, of course, very important. Uh, and things like you know, water infrastructure are just a small piece of this infrastructure view that we have. Okay, so a range of considerations there. I will, of course, again, 
encourage our listeners, our clients to read further into these themes within SI Perspectives. I do want to single one out in particular, Michelle. Can you expand a little more on the infrastructure view? You did mention earlier that the election could pose headline risks. So does this matter for infrastructure spending? Yeah, it's a really good question because that's actually why uh, we prefer infrastructure to some other pockets uh, or some other sustainable themes at the moment. And critical infrastructure is called critical infrastructure for a reason, right? It's because it's necessary for our economies to function as expected. Uh, and because of that, you know, it has ties to national security. Um, and because of this, it tends to enjoy a little bit more bipartisan support than some other areas. Uh, so we would expect critical infrastructure spending to be a little bit more isolated uh, from this kind of political rhetoric. Uh, not to say we're not going to you know, hear about spending in the, in the year ahead, but critical infrastructure should be a little bit more protected. And if you remember the, the bipartisan infrastructure law that was passed in 2021, you know, was in fact bipartisan. And this is in contrast to some areas within the Inflation Reduction Act, for example, that could be lower hanging fruit uh, for political debate. So that's why we like infrastructure right now. And you know, I think in reality, when it comes time to have the, our election, right, there's going to be a little bit more nuance to what actually gets cut uh, when it comes to spending. You know, there's always deals to be made and whatnot, uh, but we're not going to hear that nuance on the campaign trail, right? It's just going to it's going to be a little bit more blatant on we need to get spending under control. And that's why I would stick to these pockets that look a little bit safer to me. Okay, so the infrastructure theme, among the others, will continue to track throughout the year. I'm sure we'll have some follow-up conversations. Though for today, Michelle, before we close out, anything else you want to add on this topic? Yeah, I would say before I wrap here, I would just want to reiterate that infrastructure, you know, I just talked a little bit about it in the U.S., but it's not just a U.S. story. And when you actually look at the infrastructure investment gap through about 2040, a lot of that is in emerging markets because you need to invest in infrastructure in order to meet uh, these growing urban populations that they've seen and expand capacity in regions that have really experienced pretty significant economic growth over the last decade or so. So in the next couple of decades, uh, through about 2050, over 2 billion people are expected to move to cities. Uh, a lot of this is in Africa and Asia. Um, and then in contrast, in other regions like the U.S., you know, we, we still need retrofits and upgrades. So it's very much a global story. Um, I wouldn't just, you know, think about it in one region, although we are seeing, you know, certain tailwinds because of you know, spending uh, in certain regions, but it's very much a, a global story. So I'll pause there, Dan. Yeah, very fascinating when you think about the implications of the global demand, the need for infrastructure. So again, Michelle, thank you again for spending some time with us here on Top of the Morning today. Look forward to keeping track on this theme among the others and having some additional conversations as we make our way through the year. But thank you again for stopping by. Thanks, Dan. Absolutely. Again, today we have been speaking with Michelle Liberty, thematic investing strategist for the Americas with the UBS Chief Investment Office. Again, I will point our listeners, our clients to the latest sustainable investing perspectives, which is now available up on UBS.com slash CIO. Again, for clients of UBS listening in, be sure to reach out to your UBS financial advisor if you would like to receive a copy directly from UBS Studios. I'm Dan Cassidy. Thank you for joining us.
UBS Chief Investment Office's investment views are prepared and published by the global wealth management business of UBS AG or its affiliate, UBS. This material has no regard to the specific investment objectives, financial situation, or particular needs of any specific recipient and is published for informational purposes only. As a firm providing wealth management services to clients globally, UBS AG and its subsidiaries offer both investment advisory services and brokerage services. Investment advisory services and brokerage services are separate and distinct, differ in material ways, and are governed by different laws and separate arrangements. In the USA, UBS Financial Services, Inc. is a subsidiary of UBS AG and a member of FINRA SIPC. For information, please visit our website at UBS.com forward slash working with us. For a full legal disclaimer applicable to the independent investment views produced by UBS, please visit our website at ubs.com forward slash CIO disclaimer.